Welcome, everybody, to episode 124 of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. It's been a while since we've done one of these episodes, but we actually have uh, with us Dane from Bourbon Watch Company. We actually have a new brand on, uh, and you know, we'll have to get into how long ago you uh, you started the idea for Bourbon Watch Company. But it's it's yeah, it's kind of a match made in heaven, given the the content of the podcast and I think some of the inspiration for your watches. So, Dane, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you. I'm honored to be on. Well, great. So we normally start. Um, you know, with with a uh, a drink check and a wrist check, and because unfortunately I have yet to go hands on uh, with one of your watches, but I know Spangler has. Uh, Buzzy and I are just going to go ahead and go first. So I'm going to go ahead and and knock this out um, on my wrist. This is it's weird for me. I haven't I've worn the same watch two days in a row. Um, I have on uh, my Grand Seiko SBGE two four nine, the Timeless Luxury Blizzard Limited Edition uh, with the blued steel hands. Um, it, it's it's one of those watches that I, I wear usually once a week, probably on Sundays, not even on GS Wednesdays, because I don't really care for the Insta- for the Instagram hashtags, except for Speedy Tuesday. Um, <laughs> I live and die by Speedy Tuesday. But um, I play like Thursday too. Yeah, yeah that Thor's one I do, but I don't always post for that. Uh, and I tend to wear my Oruses more frequently than just on Thursday, since I have three of them now. Um, but yeah, no, this, this, I mean, to me, this is the, like, this is like almost the perfect Sunday watch for me. Like go to church, it's subtle, like just kind of one of those um, really like that. And then, uh, so yeah, I just, just been wearing that and I just felt like throwing it on again today. Cause it, it got a lot of wrist time yesterday. And I was like, yeah, I just, just, just felt right. Uh, in the glass um, I've got with me, I opened the last bottle of Weller special reserve. So green label, just rail Weller uh, that I, that I have, haven't, it was up on the shelf figured, uh, we're having bourbon watch company on, uh, Dane, you're even wearing a green shirt. So, you know, you match the bottle. It's kind of perfect. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I figured let's, let's get it. Let's get a decent, let's get a pretty good pour in there. So just a, a good solid, you know, Weller weeded bourbon. Uh, but then I also, uh, I have something else near and dear to me, uh, in the glass because I mowed the lawn today. So, you know, I'm, I'm wrapping up a, a Natterday and it, it's funny. Uh, I, I went and restocked on Sunday, um, which was yesterday. And I got one of the last two uh, cases that they had at the at the liquor barn that's by my house. And I was joking with them. I was like, you know, I've been handing these out to folks, um, you know, you know as, as the summer goes on. And, and you know, trying to, as, as Buzzy knows, preach the gospel of the Natterday Saints. Um, and it's been interesting because I've gotten really positive feedback from everybody who's tried it. And I've seen other people posting them. And, you know, it's it, it's funny. It makes me, seeing other people enjoy it really kind of makes me like it more. It's just, it's one of those things that you're just like, this shouldn't be as good as it is. And, and seeing other people having the same reaction, it makes me really kind of see it in a more elevated and different light. So like, it's just, it's, it's been the summer of Natterdays, although I was preaching it last summer. This one I think is where it's really taken off. So, you know, that's really where we're going. It's seeing other people enjoy the beer that I really like is really, really making me enjoy it that much more. So Buzzy, what have you got? All right. On my wrist tonight is something that's also been getting a lot of wrist time, and it is my new to me brew retromatic green dial. Oh, nice! And uh, I wow. picked I picked it up on Friday from friends of the show Motor John uh, sixty eight, and it has been killing me to keep that <laughs> quiet uh, from the other guys on the group chat in order to get. Get you know, a legit reaction. I, well done, I do buddy. this. Well done. Thanks, guys. I, I looks great. 
I, I do this for you, dear listeners. I put up with literally days of wanting to send like an actual halfway decent picture uh, of it on, you know, in the sunlight or whatever. But nope, I, I keep I keep all of that to myself just just to get the reaction recorded for you guys. Yeah, um, it's the green dial <laughs> version. That's right. That's right. Everybody knows. That I, I do my mess with my mute mic, but we'll we'll have to see. Everybody knows the corgi bark is the universal sound effect for "Congrats on the Watch." Um, yes. yes. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, John put together a great, great design, great execution here. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll talk more about it some other episode, but uh, uh, great, great colors and the the texture of the dial with all those holes uh, is just super fun. So, and then uh, on the uh, drink front, I've got a uh, Guinness for an extra stout. Also, thanks, Motor John. He uh, sent me home with a, a couple of these. Uh, so, highly recommend him as a seller. You know, you might have to take local delivery. Uh, you know, with a a random beer, but there you go. I am like super excited to be reunited with this beer. Uh, when my wife and I were over in Ireland, I think like five years ago, really enjoyed it there. And uh, turns out that Jungle Jim's has it. So. Uh, Everyone in the Cincinnati area, that that's uh, that's your your chance at uh, picking some of this up. They have one not too far from me too, out at Eastgate, so that's pretty close. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. All right, Spangler. Spangler, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us what I mean? Tell us what's on the wrist, what's in the glass, and give us some initial first impressions before we dive into uh, into the big one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, well, obviously, since we are interviewing Dane tonight, I figured I should probably start with the glass uh, first here. But I'm uh, drinking a Kirkland brand Tempranillo from 2017. Um, did my bi-monthly Costco run this past weekend, so I figured I would uh, pick some up. Spence, you... Uh, I do. Is it a 91? <laughs> this one's actually not a 91. Oh, no. Unrated. Oh, oh no! no. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, no. Not, it the didn't make the mark. Been, the theory has been has See been. That? Uh, we had, Dane. I will just let you know that for a while it seemed like Buzzy was Buzzy was repping the Kirkland Scotch for a long time that was rated ninety one, and then my wife started buying the Kirkland Malbec, which was also rated ninety one by another beverage taste. So, like for every single thing that Kirkland has, like is it all just a ninety one? Um, Apparently, the Tempranillo is either too good to even be rated or not good enough to earn a 91. That's right. And to, to be fair, it was uh, Canadian whiskey. It was Costco. Oh, that's right. It was whiskey. Costco Canadian whiskey. That's yeah. Right. Had Been drank. a while, Buzzy. It really has. I was I was thinking about <laughs> going because um, there is some left, not a whole lot. I am somewhat... I guess I proud's probably the wrong word. I, I realized that I drank essentially that entire handle by myself and um, a giant proportion of that was you're, you're okay, Buzz. Well, a giant proportion of that was one weekend in Ann Arbor. And then like I drank moderate or non-existent amounts for the next several years, um, which is the only reason that it lasted so long. 
Crime Jam, I feel like all handles should be finished within at least one weekend. I feel like that's like a rule, right? A handle or a fifth? Are we talking the same unit of measure here? Oh, no, I'm talking like the handle. I'm not talking like a fifth. I'm not talking like a fifth, like 750. No, no, no. I'm talking like the handle, you know, the big old jug. Do we uh, have a talk spangler? Yeah. <laughs> if you get a handle, you're getting it for one specific reason, and it's to drink a lot of it. Let's be honest here, right? I'm not buying a, a handle of Maker's Mark, or not even Maker's Mark. What's the um, – yeah, it is Maker's Mark, I think. I've known a few people to try it. Watered down to 80, 80 proof. I've, I've known a few. It, yeah, it was a. It was a wild time, right? Uh, oh no, 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 it wasn't Maker's Mark. I lied. It was Jim Beam. We yeah. had Beam and Water. Oh, that makes way more four, sense, actually. Four of us handle a Jim Beam, Beam and Water, because we had nothing to mix it with, and the shit well, was there awful. Were four of you, so that's different. That's a different yeah. Problem. That's what I'm saying. Right? I'm, it's it's not for one person, right? I'm not a lunatic over here. Good job. It, it it was. I should have made that clear. <laughs> that weekend, it was. <laughs> Just for me, I, I figured that some of my like uncles and cousins and stuff would would like some whiskey to to go with all the brews, but I, I was wrong, and I was too um, closer than I I thought that I was going to be to on pace to finish it. So I uh, <laughs> had to had to slow way down. Well, you gotta get your money's worth, Buzz. Uh, Got to make up for the well, people who weren't drinking. Now that we've gotten this far in, we've gotten as about as far <laughs> in as some other podcasts ad reads go. But um, Spangler, what's on the wrist? It's <laughs> throwing shots. Damn. Damn. <laughs> 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 on the wrist tonight um, is, as one may expect, um, the Bourbon Watch Company Rue Canal, the Cream Dial variant. And I have had it dutifully on the wrist since, Dane, you and I last met. Um, I will say, Dane, I did have to switch it over to this lovely little beads of rice bracelet. Um, I did not feel like I wanted to get your band all sweaty because this is southern Louisiana. And, you know, it's one of those things. You need to send me a picture of that. I did put it on this. I really want to see it on that beads of rice. I bet it looks spectacular. It does, right? I, I have not taken it off since. Um, so, yes, I will send you a picture of it. Awesome. Um, but, yeah, I've had it on that shortly since we, we met um, a bit ago. And I got to say, you know, it's just one of those things that's a watch that's very understated but very pleasing to wear, which for a lot of watches, you know, especially my taste in watches, I don't want anything too crazy. This, it's perfect, right? And you look down at it, and it's just one of those things like, man, it's it's good. You know, understated, but right on the money when Thank it comes you. to a lot of things. But, I mean, we can get into that later in the show. I've just really enjoyed wearing it thus far. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what I've got on the wrist. Obviously, we're going to get into a little bit more of this later on in the show. Don't want to spoil too much. So Dane, why don't you tell us which variant you have on the wrist, and then what else is in your what what is in your glass? Yeah, so I have the only um, watch that I currently have right now because um, Spangler has the cream. Another YouTuber currently has the streetcar dial, the green dial, and that leaves me with the what I'm what I'm calling the night dial. Um, so it's a really dark blue, almost black. It depends what light you're uh, looking at it in. And the whole idea of it, it was supposed to represent uh, New Orleans after dark. So it's definitely the dressiest piece. It's not the one I typically wear the most often. Um, I find it looks really good in a suit. I find it looks really good dressed up. Um, 
but yeah, it, it's definitely I think our most elegant, our most um, I guess I guess the watch you would want to wear on a night on the town. Um, the what I have in my glass is tonight I'm drinking a Sazerac, and it is a very classically made Sazerac, um, Sazerac rye with some nice. herb saint, some Peychaud's bitters. Um, but the one thing, so here's what I do different, and here's um, kind of my secret recipe. Instead of using sugar or simple syrup, I will put in a little bit of cane syrup as the sweetener. Um, not a lot. Cane syrup can be really sweet. Um, I just find it gives it a little bit of something different, uh, kind of that little um, almost molasses sort of uh, flavor to that. So kind of sets it apart, kind of brings it back to uh, the its Louisiana roots, but I absolutely love a Sazerac. It is my favorite cocktail, and I thought it was um, fitting that I have one tonight. Absolutely. I actually had uh, in my list of questions secrets to a good Sazerac because it unfortunately – uh, it's it's like it's like my white whale. Okay, I've been obsessed with trying <laughs> to make a good one, and I I still have not made one that that's to my satisfaction. I was introduced to them uh, of all places in Philadelphia. Uh, I was with some some friends. One of them had spent a lot of time down in uh, New Orleans, and uh, we were at a cocktail bar that had them. And convinced us to to try them, and um, I I quite enjoyed it. But I've been I've been been chasing that experience ever since. Um, I, I find that either um, I get not enough flavor from from the the herb saint or um, absinthe or too much. Like I know it's just supposed to be a glass rinse. I just man, I never. I never get, never get what I want. Yeah, I, I just follow the basic. I, I, I've tried different variations, but for me, the basic recipe is what works best with my own little twist on it. Um, and that's just, I think you can't go wrong if you do the simple syrup or a lot of people will do the traditional ways. You put one sugar cube and you soak the sugar cube with some Peychaud's bitters. Um, so either that or simple syrup, Peychaud's bitters, two shots of Sazerac rye is definitely my favorite to have in it. Um, and then wash the glass, you know, turn it, uh, put it in a uh, glass with some ice, give it a few, uh, stirs, put it in another glass. That glass has been rinsed with the herb saint. I'll just put a little bit of herb saint enough to rinse the glass and I don't throw any out, just whatever sinks to the bottom sinks to the bottom. I like that herbal flavor that it brings, uh, kind of same with the Peychaud's bitters. I find they complement each other really well. So I just do real basic um, or if, like I said, if I have cane syrup on hand, I'll just throw a little bit of cane syrup in there and it just, it sets it apart from really any other ones I've had. Uh, some people use Angostura, some people put the, um, might put some orange in it. Then you kind of get into old fashioned territory, which is fine, but right. I like just the classic, put a twist of lemon peel on there and it's done. Nice. I gotta say that this is probably one of our top cocktails we've ever had on the show. So, Dane, very, very well done. It's fitting. Yes. It's the original. I, I have to. I feel like it's like law, and it's my favorite. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, knocked it out of the park. I would say. Yes, definitely. Uh, now, time. before we get too much, before we get too much into uh, Bourbon Watch Company and the watches, 
We do have to remind our dear listeners now, all 15 of them, although it might be actually 16 or 17, I kind of lost track. We had somebody from Finland DMS one time. So we're, we're over in Scandinavia um, oh, now yeah. too. We have to remind our listeners that we are still, if you looked at our new logo, which is our old logo with a new banner at the bottom, we are still brought to you by the fine folks at Manscaped. Um, so, you know, it, it is still, as, as Spangler alluded to, he didn't want to get Dane's leather strap all uh, funky. It is still sweaty season. And, uh, yeah, you don't want a stinky strap. You don't want a stinky strap. You know, I've not tried the crop preserver on my wrist because, you know, I tend to wear bracelets and I feel like that film on the wrist wouldn't be good. But it goes, it goes, uh, it goes good places uh, that the sun doesn't usually shine but tend to get a little, um, well, you know. Anyway, um, <laughs> and, and Buzzy's got some mechanical engineering things, I'm sure to say, about the lawnmower, which we are all big fans of. Oh, without a doubt. Everybody loves the lawnmower. They, they love they love those ceramic blades. They love the compressive strength of it. That's for sure. Um, I, as much as I love the, the high compressive strength and compared to the tensile strength of ceramic material, what I really like actually is the fact that, that they vary uh, the pitch between that and the, uh, the, the uh, static uh, stainless steel part. That way you're only cutting at a few locations over time. It's really smoothing smoothing the load. Good uh, good engineering. Really like it. You know what else is great engineering? Because at, at its core, engineering is all about solving problems. I have a real problem when I've got the ear hair going. Number one, I got a problem with looking like an old man with the ear hair sticking out of my ears. But number two, I also have a problem with my wife or someone cutting those ear hairs with scissors uh just got a little maybe i'm built different maybe i got too strong of a self-preservation instinct but uh not a big fan of scissors near my eardrums so in fact this weekend got got the uh the weed whacker out took care of those ear hairs living life footloose fancy free now and uh yeah and, and you know what's interesting is you're mentioning two two tools that they make um the the um, the lawnmower and the weed whacker. I actually used a real lawnmower and a real weed whacker today because I actually had to mow the lawn. And I will say, um, I am much less tired. And the 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 lawnmower and weed whacker that Manscaped use are a lot easier and uh, less labor intensive to use <laughs> than the actual lawnmower and weed whacker I was using today on my actual uh, actual plot of land. Um, but the thing that I will say. I was wearing boxer briefs 2.0 while I did it. There was no write-up. There was no chafing. And that is important. And I will say that, that to me is the other thing that it's the unsung hero of the manscaped package is the boxer briefs 2.0, because you can, you can do all the trimming. You can make sure that things aren't sweating or aren't at least smelling terrible, but you got to keep them comfortable. And to me, boxer briefs 2.0, like that's, that to me, I think is one of the most important. You got to feel comfortable. I mean, that's where I'm at. And it's 1.0 better than the original Boxer Briefs 1.0. That's important. This is true. It's a 100% improvement. Um, and I will say, having worn 1.0 and 2.0, the cut on 2.0 fits me better. So just saying. They're figuring it out. And if you were at all interested in any of this, we have a promo code. You can let our friends at Manscaped know that we sent you. And what is that promo code, Buzzy? Buzzcut. For twenty percent right. off and free shipping. So let them know we sent you. Anyway, back to our regularly scheduled program, and I'll kick it over to Spangler. 
Yes. So back to the regularly scheduled programming here. We're back, Dane. Sorry about that. You know, it's just it's just something we got to do. We keep it light. We keep it fun. You know, we're sponsored by a ball shaving company. That's just sort of how it goes here. So I mean, I got to tell you, you got to have to roll with it. Hey. I'm going to use that promo code now. I know what my brother's getting for Christmas. That is a boy who loves to manscape. I'll tell you, if he's going to listen to this, smoothest arms on the west bank of the Mississippi River. So, You know, something he might like, he might like uh, their, their, their smooth package because it, it's got an exfoliating body wash or other area wash and a nice like straight razor. I will look into the smooth package for him. Oh, he, he gets those arms baby soft. My, my wife wishes she can get her arms as soft as my brother gets his arms. It's, it's a competition that they sort of have going on. Oh, that's interesting. I hope, I hope they both listen to this. I really do. That would be fun. You better make them. We need those 17 yeah. listeners. We, need to get, we might break 20 if they both listen. Oof. Watch out, world. <laughs> Coming in hot. Real hot. It's Louisiana, so at least for us, anyway. Um, so I, I think you know, moving past the you know male hair removal service that we're sponsored by, um, Bourbon Watch Company. So, Dane, this is obviously something that is near and dear to your heart. You know, it's something you've, like you said to me, you wanted to do for a while, and you wanted to do it right, and you wanted to do it different. Just talk us through like the initial process of just thinking, hey, you know, I want to start a watch company and sort of like how that devolved or, you know, went into just starting the company up. Yeah, it's, it's one of those crazy sort of ideas. Um, so my, my background is in business. Um, I have my undergraduates in finance. My, uh, I got my MBA a couple years back. Um, and I've always had in the back of my mind you know, have a day job, but I've always had in the back of my mind, you know, I'd like to start a business one day. And I'd always see people starting a business and it's like, okay, yeah, I could do that. I could do that. I would always say that. And one day it sort of hit me where like, yeah, I actually could do that. And not only can I do that, I want to do that. It was just a matter of, okay, well, what, if I'm going to start a business, if I want to build something from the ground up, um, what is something that's important to me? I want to do something that, you know, is meaningful, something that's impactful, something that I feel, you know, sort of makes a difference. And I kind of looked around, it's like, what are the things that I like? And one of the first things that popped into my head, it's like, well, I really like watches. Um, I wasn't a huge, um, I, I, I'm not gonna say I wasn't a collector, but, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of, uh, fine Swiss pieces. I had a lot of Seikos, um some Casio's Timex I think I'd bought a um I'd bought a Steinhardt that I wear um you know fa- uh, fairly regularly and at the time I was saving up for a Tudor GMT that was my like that was my goal I'm gonna put a little bit of money aside save all my pennies and I'm gonna buy a Tudor GMT one day and um it was around August 2020 when I kind of got the idea and I was like well you know why don't I you know, I really like watches. Why don't I do something um, in that space um, and do something that's a little bit different? And so the tutor got put on hold um, indefinitely and talked it over with my wife. And, you know, we, you know, counted up what we had, uh, (laughs) the money that was going into the tutor, plus a whole lot more. 
And, you know, we invested. I started doing a lot of the legwork in um, August, uh, from August to the end of 2020. And that's kind of where those months is kind of where I spent gathering a lot of my inspiration. Um, And what I what I wanted to do, my idea behind it was if I'm going to do something, it needs to be different. It needs to kind of set itself apart from other watch companies. I think there's a lot of people doing a lot of great stuff in that space, but I feel like I want to offer something different. And one thing that I've always had a passion for was the art, the history, and culture of Louisiana and South Louisiana, New Orleans. Um, I always tell people my family immigrated to Louisiana uh, 300 years ago, 1721. They were um, among the first settlers to settle along the banks of the Mississippi River. Just for reference, um, any listeners, New Orleans was founded in 1718. My family was here in 1721, so it wasn't, they were like literally one of the first thousand. And that's always, I've always had a lifelong passion for Louisiana history and culture. And I was like, you know, there's not a lot of people, um, I didn't, at the time I didn't know of any, I've, I've since learned of a few, um, from this podcast, actually, Cincinnati Watch Company, um, I, I've learned of them recently. Um, but there's not a lot of people doing watches inspired from, you know, off of a place or off of a culture. And I said, you know what, that's something that is not only different, but it's something that I can personally attest to. And I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to eschew the Mardi Gras beads and the crawfish. Everything I do is going to be a real deep dive and deep look at you know, Louisiana art and culture and make something special. And I, some of the watches that inspire me are a lot of the big um, kind of hierology brands, your Vacheron, Constantin, Patek Philippe, uh, F.P. Jorn, a lot of the independents. And I was like, I want to model something similar to that in terms of style, in terms of refinement, but I want to offer it at a fair price. I want to offer it at, you know, a reasonable price that, your average middle class consumer can purchase it'll be a nice watch it won't you know but it, it's not going to be something that's going to maybe necessarily break the bank and i'm always careful when it comes to watches just because you know uh, affordability is a very very relative term so um i i i, I tend to say like i want to offer it at a very honest price that that's that's sort of my goal so that's basically was the ethos behind its founding um, and the idea that I had going into early 2021 before I really started doing a lot of the legwork on actually getting the brand up and running. Yeah, no, I mean, it honestly does take a lot when it comes to getting the idea that you have and then taking that into making a watch, right? Like not a lot of people do it. Like it's, something that takes, you know, passion, ideas, and the determination to do it. So, I mean, props to you, honestly. Thank you. For following through with it. Um, yeah, it's something that we, obviously we've talked to since now watch go before. Rick, great guy. Um, and he has certainly talked about the trials and tribulations when it comes to getting this stuff from concept to reality. And it, it takes a lot. So, um, and honestly, I am, I am just chuffed a bit that you did it because you know obviously right i've spent a week with this and it's it's great to see right because you know we've talked to i think the one you know buzz you're wearing one um brew watches right when it comes to their design language and what they do um you know jonathan is a great guy you know 
and he has a big passion for this. He has a passion for design. Um, and obviously, right, Dane, you nailed it out of the park, right, with the design, which we'll get into here in a second, right? I know Vacheron, Vintage Vacheron, um, FB Journe, all inspirations to you. Um, and we'll get into that. But, yeah, it's these watches are great. And, um, I mean, speaking of that, I mean, let's – we can just get into like your design, like I language ideas, that kind of thing. Like what, what inspired you for the dial, the case, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I, I just have one other, one other quick question before you get into it. I mean, the name, the Rue canal, kind of walk me through, did, did the name have anything to do to inspire the design? Is it, is it something that you came up with the design first and then said, okay, what do I want to call this? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to call it? And said, okay, how can I tie, you know, some of the history and I, I yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a history buff, but I'm a little bit shy on, you know, I, I know there's a lot of history and mystique down in New Orleans kind of walk me. I'm a, I'm a little bit shy on that area being from the, from North of the Mason Dixon line. Um, but kind of walk me through a little bit of the, the name and any ties to the design that you might've done. Yeah. So the name was directly in, uh, inspired by the design. Um, when I, when I started, um, you know, when I kind of started initially reaching out to designers, and I did work with a local designer, most of uh, most of what you see kind of was um, her refinement of my idea. We collaborated. Um, I'm going to give her a shout out. Her name is Kelsey Scott. She is an artist in New Orleans, an absolutely amazing artist. Um, I met her through a friend of mine, Sarah Dickerson, who does all of my photography. She's my main photographer. Um, Sarah and I worked together. She introduced me to Kelsey, um, and me and Kelsey sat down, and she basically took what I had in my head and helped really bring it to life. Because it was important for me to make sure that I could put, if you look on the back of the watch, it says designed in Louisiana on the case back, and that was something that was so important for me. Um, So the um, when... The, the exercise that we kind of went into was, look, this is the first watch. I wanted it to be, and almost it was almost a challenge to myself. I wanted a Salita SW210, hand wind movement, three hand, bereft of any complication. Because my idea was this is the design language that's going to carry us forward through future iterations. It's about establishing the design language now, establishing what this brand is about. So I took my main source of inspiration when I, when I first started thinking about this, I was like, okay, is there a famous clock in New Orleans that I could start as my starting point? And in my mind, I started to play the opening paragraphs of, um, um, excuse me, John Kennedy tools, a confederacy of dunces. And in the opening of that novel, Ignatius Riley is standing on Canal Street outside the D.H. Home department store clock underneath the clock that was at the, um, it's still there. It was, um, been there throughout, um, I think the, at least the mid 20th century. I'm not exactly sure when the clock was put there, but it was a famous New Orleans landmark. It found its way into Tool's Pulitzer Prize winning novel, and... That is absolutely one of my favorite novels. It is one of, I think, the best novel that depicts the soul of New Orleans and the character of New Orleans. So I was like, that's the perfect starting point. So I took that clock, and that was where we started. We took the syringe hands from there. We took the idea for the crescent counterweight. We let that inspire us. We also um, kind of looked at their numeral set 
and we were in, we didn't do exactly their numeral set their numeral sets a little too mid-century for what i was going for but it, it definitely was an inspiration when we were designing the numeral set for the watch so that was the basis and since that clock is on canal street we named the watch rue canal um instead of we didn't go with canal street because i know canal there's canal street in new york sometimes <laughs> has a bit of a uh I guess a reputation for cheap and um, uh, fake goods. <laughs> so I was like, I was at first I was going to go Canal Street, and I was like, mm, you know, could people misunderstand that? I was like, okay, we're not gonna, we're not gonna chance that. We're gonna say Rue Canal, which would be the French. And so yeah, the 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 name of the watch was inspired by the design itself, or at least the the starting point of where we started when we started designing the watch. Um, yeah, and honestly, when you told me about the clock, too, that you designed the dial off of and showed me a picture of it and how it, you know, came down to the needle hands, the, the crescent moon on the second hand, I thought it was really cool, right? And it's a shame. Anybody out there listening, too, that the clock is, it's still out there. It's not, Dan, I believe you, you told me it's not currently up, like, functioning, but it is still around yeah it's not in the best shape the the best picture you can see nola.com uh for the 300th anniversary of the city put a picture up and told the story of the clock um this on a it's a this is an aside but when i think it was when dillard's bought dh homes they had these two guys this would have been sometime in the 1980s possibly 1990s these two guys were scared that dillard's would take the clock away so they went in in the middle of the night they unscrewed the clock and they took it and the clock just disappeared overnight nobody knew where it went and these <laughs> oh, two guys no. just called themselves they were just two local new orleanians they called themselves historical preservationists and I think they kept the wa- the clock for about 10 years before they said, okay, maybe we need to give this back. And they gave it back to the city. They put it up back where it was at. Um, but no, it's not in the best shape today. And I'm a little disappointed because I really wanted to include a picture of the clock on the website. So we had to find a few clever workarounds. We're going to put a picture of the Ignatius Riley statue that's still there. Um, there, I think that was put up sometime in the 90s or early 2000s. There's a statue of Ignatius under the um, under the clock itself, and I think right now the second hand might have fallen off. the The glass for the clock is cracked, so it, it it's on both sides of the clock, so it's really not in the best shape. Um, I really hope whoever owns it would. Um, I, I think it's a hotel. I don't know if they own the clock itself, but I, I really hope somebody would do something to. Um, you know, to to per, to preserve that and to um to 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 bring it back to its 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 once former glory. So, so those historical preservationists—they were maybe a little bit proud of their capabilities at uh, preservation. That's what what we're saying. <laughs> a little, a little ahead of their time. <laughs> I'll say it, it 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 stayed in great shape. There's actually, I think, a picture of the guys. I think there's an old Polaroid of the two guys posing by the clock. <laughs> <laughs> and um you could you could read more about it um just google dh holmes clock um nola.com nola.com has the whole story it is an absolutely fantastic read yeah P- posing next to the clock hey look what we stole yeah classic <laughs> <laughs> it was a different time back then it was okay maybe i don't know probably not but it adds to the uh, the mystique around around your watches so right. why not for sure exactly 
Um, but yeah, so I mean, let's, let's see. We, we've got the handset covered here. We've got a little bit of the dial. But I mean, if, if you want to go into, you know, sort of like, you know, we'll, we'll hit some more construction points here in a bit. But I mean, just case-wise and maybe dial itself, you know, especially the three, yeah. the variants that you have. Because you do have three. If you want to talk a little bit about those, you know. Yeah, so the um, so the case itself was, I, I guess the, the the going back to the you know being inspired by a Confederacy of Dunces, which was um, written in 1960s New Orleans. It takes place in 1960s New Orleans. My idea was let's create a watch that is inspired by mid-century New Orleans and kind of by way mid-century Swiss watch design. So I went with the case, uh, for the case, I went with the teardrop-shaped lugs, which is just Hallmark classic uh, mid-century Vacheron Constantin. They've reissued it a few times in, I think, the Historique 1942, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think that was one of their recent releases where they have a very similar uh, lug design. But the um, the teardrop, some people call it teardrop, some people call it corn de vache. I think the corn de vache are a little bit more pronounced. These are a little bit softer. Um, so I took kind of that hallmark of mid-century Swiss design. I went with the printed dial, uh, you know, kind of harkening back to mid-century Swiss design. And like you said, I did it in three separate colorways. So there's the cream, there's the night, which is the dark blue, and then there's the streetcar, which is the green and the idea behind each colorway was to represent a different mood or a different idea kind of centered around New Orleans. So the cream, which I think is definitely the most casual watch, um, probably one of the more versatile ones, it's supposed to represent a warm summer's day in the French Quarter. So the cream is a very warm cream. The printing is in wrought iron black. Uh, so it's not quite a true black. It's kind of similar to the wrought iron work that you see around New Orleans. And it has accents of what I call Spanish stucco. It's a bit of a salmony color, but it's a it's a it's a color that you see a lot in the French Quarter. A lot of the old Spanish stucco buildings throughout the French Quarter uh, are kind of colored this way. And that the colors are introduced in the indices and in the seconds hand. And the night dial, which I think I mentioned earlier, inspired by a night in the French Quarter. So the night dial is a very deep blue, almost black. Uh, the printing is moon white, and there's gold printing for the logo and the indices, which I say represents the um, the warm glow of the gas lantern lights throughout the French Quarter. If you ever well, go throughout the French Quarter at night... Uh, you still see these same gas lanterns burning today. Uh, you'll see them burning in the middle of the day. You'll see them burning at night, and they sort of help light the streets. So they're the little hints that will light the dial up uh, kind of in its edges. And then the last one is our streetcar watch, which that one was sort of our showpiece. If the, um, if the cream dial was the more casual, everyday shorts and a t-shirt watch, and the night dial was your more, a little more dressed up, suit, night on the town watch. Then the streetcar watch was just that showstopper, really original, something you really don't see. And it's the uh, same green as the St. Charles streetcar. Um, we went with the St. Charles streetcar instead of the red Canal Street streetcars because back in the 60s, when the Canal Street line was still run, when the Canal Street line was running originally, um, in New Orleans, they used the green and the red cars back then. So it was kind of harkening back to the history um, that inspired the dial itself. 
So we have that streetcar green with accents of red for the seconds hand and for the indices. The center circle is in that same wrought iron black um, because the rest of the printing for the um, the minute track and the numerals are in gold leaf printing. And I went with the wrought iron because for the in the center because that gold was it was a little too much gold. Uh, but the gold uh, is in there in the numbers and the uh, minute track just to sort of make things pop and really make it a showpiece. I was I was really proud of that green dial when I first came up with it. This was late 2020. This were be this was before Watches and Wonders 2021 when everybody and their grandma decided they were going to introduce a green <laughs> dial watch. So I want to I want to sort of put my you know plant my flag in the ground. And say before everyone else was doing it, I at least had the idea. And then I remember we were—I was on vacation in early 21 when Watches and Wonders was going down. Um, and I was looking at my phone at all the new watches being released, and I tell my wife, "Oh God, damn it! All these uh, manufacturers <laughs> are doing Green Dial. I wanted to do Green Dial, so it's—it's it's a little less original now than it was in." Late 2020, early 2021, but I stuck with my guns, and I was like, "This is this is the showpiece." So that's the three the three colorways. That's kind of the three core ideas and the inspiration behind them. Um, and I think that mm -hmm. basically covers it with the watch. the uh, The straps are uh, Italian leather. They are color coded to the watch itself, so they're the um, the the color of the leather is what I felt best matched the feel and the ethos of the particular dial. And I did with the printing. I don't know if I mentioned this, but with the number, uh, the numeral ways, it's a little bit of a departure from the DH Holmes clock. The DH Holmes clock has the 12, the 3, the 6, and the 9, and then they have indices at the 1 through the 11. Um, I really love the look of an um, Arabic numeral dial where the numerals turn along with the dial. So I was like, I really, really like that. I kind of want to do that instead of copying the or i guess paying homage to the clock so directly kind of want to do something that's a little bit different so my dad actually gave me the really good idea of instead of having all the numerals turn take the three and the nine turn them right side up similar to the clock so you kind of have a bit of both worlds you have that little bit of homage to the dh holmes clock but it still is its own thing in a lot of ways so um, I, I, as soon as we mocked that up, I, uh, I called Kelsey that night and I told her, hey, look, my dad had this really, really good idea. Can you mock it up for me real quick? And when she sent me that mock up, everybody, you just said, that's the one. You know, me, my dad, Kelsey, everyone who looked at it, my wife, um, everyone said, that's that's what you have to go with. That's that's the dial right there. Yeah. So one of the things that I really like and it's funny because in general, I'm, I'm not uh, leather uh, straps. I, just in general, I like bracelets. The clasp, the clasp is so stinking cool. You knocked oh it out God, of the I park. <laughs> <laughs> I almost forgot about the clasp. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> it's sweet. I was looking. Well, I was looking at the watch, and I was like, "Okay, what did I miss?" And I didn't turn it over to think to think about the class. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, I was this close when I originally started just thinking about the design and kind of planning everything. I wanted to do a deploying class. That was like one of the things that I really wanted to do. Um, and when I sat with the manufacturer, and you know, we were hashing out costs. I'll tell people I made 
two cost-related decisions in designing the watch. Um, the only and the only two cost-related decisions I, uh, I I made was I didn't go with the deployment clasp and I didn't go with the blued screws in the movement because um, I felt both of those added a lot to the cost without making the watch I think a better watch. Um, and so on the on in, in getting back to the deployment clasp, um, you know, it, it like I said, it, it just threw the cost of the watch far too high for what I felt you were getting. And so I started kind of playing with, I was like, okay, well, how can I incorporate brand image into the, uh, into a tank buckle in a way that's not just, you know, etching the logo on the buckle itself. And I started kind of playing around again, going back to Vacheron Constantin. I love how Vacheron uses the multi cross motif and they're there in, uh, in their tank buckle. So I was like, well, what if I take the fleur de lis and work the fleur de lis? So I just sketch, I sketched it up by hand. I sent it to the uh, manufacturer. They kind of worked up a design, and I was like, "That is it. It 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 makes the watch just I think that much better." So it was a good thing I didn't go with the deploying class because it actually worked against the watch. I think personally, big time, big time. It it's really really clever. Um, it's a a neat bit of personality there, and. Um, also, it doesn't uh, doesn't your the movement uh, don't you have your uh, logo engraved uh, on the, yeah. on one of the plates there? Yeah, we have the uh, the logo engraved um, the logo engraved and filled with uh, gold. I, I'm not sure if it's gold leaf or gold printing. I'm not exactly sure the process. Uh, and the movement is, I guess you would call it refined. It, it has the it's an elaborate grade. It has the Geneva striping. It has the perlage on the base plate. Um, it, it's something that I felt was extremely important because, uh, you know, part, part of, I always say, I, I'm always conscious of the fact that I'm living sort of in two different worlds when it comes to my customer base. I want to offer something that uh, watch lovers and watch enthusiasts would love, something that really stands out and is different and original for that community. But I also am very conscious of the fact that I want to build a very strong local following as well here in the, you know, South Louisiana area from New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Homa Thibodeau, Lafayette, um, eventually moving north. I, I want to build a strong local brand. And it was important for me that when people who might not, especially people around here who might not really know about watches, they're not in these spaces, they've never heard of a micro brand before. When they turn that watch over and they see that movement, it really needs to pop and shine and it needs to communicate to them that, hey, look, this is something that is not only designed, you know, it's not only inspired by our culture, not only inspired by our home, but it's something of a really, really high quality, it's something you could be proud to own and have and something that you can wear, you know, for a lifetime. And it, it never fails, even, you know, even older people who you would think would remember a you know, a, a time before quartz watches, before battery power would remember mechanical movements. When you turn it over, when they turn it over and they see that, they go, oh my God, like this is, this is different. This is not, you know, the, uh, my little battery powered Timex. This isn't my little, you know, battery powered watch that I got from the counter at <laughs> Macy's. It's, it, it is something truly unique and special. So I'm always, like I said, I'm always conscious of kind of the two worlds that I'm living in when it comes to, um, you know, consumers. Well, yeah, and it's interesting. I, 
I want to get into the specs here in a second, but I, I think that point is is kind of very interesting in that you're you're speaking to what I think will probably eventually be a, a stronger customer base than you um, you estimate uh, being influenced by your, you know the Southern Louisiana culture. If if our buddy Rick at Cincy Watchco um, has told us has has taught us anything, um, as many watch nerds as by his watches. There are a lot of folks that are Cincinnati natives who have been transplanted elsewhere who want a little reminder of home. And I think you you may end up finding that a lot of your customer base is going to have more ties to ties to your locality than they actually do um, kind of a, a draw to kind of the watch nerdery, as it were. But I think yeah. I think your overall design and kind of where you've gone might even speak more to that because what you've done is I was going to ask you, why did you create kind of what I would consider more of a dress watch first, which by the way, my favorite dial variant is the one you're wearing. It's that deep blue, almost black that in some lightings probably looks a little slate gray as well. The dressiest one, according to you, like to me, that is where I think that that's the design I like the best is that dial color. But what you just described is to me, those folks are the, are the folks who are looking at that watch and who are excited to turn it over and see the movement say, Oh, this is, this is something. This to me is the special occasion watch. This is what ties it back to home. This is what they want to wear for their night out on the town, like you said. And a dress watch makes a lot of sense in that setting. Like you know, try, to try to try to do a diver or something like that, or try to do another sport watch. I think for what may end up being your customer base, this is going to remind them of home. And remember, this is my special occasion watch. This is what I put on when I want to be reminded of where I'm from and the culture and the art that's from that area. And I think it's interesting that you've tied that all together. And cause I, you know, as, as popular as sport watches are now, people say, well, why are you going to do a dress watch? I think it makes the most sense. Yeah. And, and that, and it goes back, part of it does go back to the simplicity of stripping it down and saying, you know, what are the essential elements that need to be there? what is it that I'm trying to say as a brand? What is it that I'm trying to do as a brand visually? So the the idea was let's start with dress. Now it's not, it's definitely was, it was definitely designed to be, I, I, what, I, what, I, what I'll say is it does everything from dress casual to dressed up. If you kind of think of your typical male mm-hmm. fashion and you cut off the extremes, you cut off like the black tie, white tie, which I would actually argue the, the black dial watch, the blue dot, the deep blue dial um, probably can do black tie, but you could probably cut off saying, white it, it tie. It wouldn't look out of place. It wouldn't right. look out of place. I can tell you that. No, no it wouldn't. So if you basically if you cut off white tie and you cut off like outdoor casual sports, it won't do those things. But I think it hits for the most part. You'll find something that'll hit kind of everywhere in between um and yeah part of that was um I, I wanted to create something that was very special that did feel elegant you know it's the watch that i've always said that if you if you take um my dad for instance my dad was um works at a uh, petrochemical plant blue collar job he's worked there you know his entire life if you take somebody like that um who is you know wants to buy their son uh, or even their daughter because I, I definitely designed the watch to uh, fit uh, both male and female wrists. Anyone would look good in it. Um, but if they want to buy their son or daughter a watch for their graduation, you know it, it is something that they can go out, they could buy. It can feel special. It could remind them of home, remind them of who they are. Um, 
So it has so many different applications, and like you said, it, it, it does feel special. It does remind you of, you know, who you are, where you come from, of the the celebratory aspect of, you know, that culture. So it, it's, it, it is definitely all these things wrapped into one. And in the future, you know, I, I do want to stick more with that sort of, I don't want to say super high horology, because, I mean, you know, we can't. At least I don't see in the near future being able to do super high complication, but sticking with that very classic design and, um, you know, finding something interesting and something different to do in that space. So, you know, if we do a sports watch, you know, I, I want to do something that stands out. If um, we do a chronograph, I want to do something that stands out and something that's different and kind of brings in that doesn't stray too far from the aesthetic that we've established with Rucanau. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Okay. So that did, does bring up some, some good stuff. Um, uh, dimensions, right. You, you said it was good for, uh, for men and for ladies, what, uh, kind of diameter and, and thickness, uh, are we talking about here? Yeah. It's 39 millimeters in diameter and around nine millimeters in thickness. Don't quote me exactly on that. I know Ooh. it begins with a nine. I'm not sure if it's nine and a half. I don't have my papers Ooh. in front of me, but it, it starts with a nine. It, it starts that with a nine. Impressive. There is a nine. That there is, is impressive. a decimal and there is something after that decimal. It might be a five. So it might be <laughs> nine and a half. You, you would think I would know this right off the top, but I don't have it's my laptop good. on me. <laughs> But around 9 uh, millimeters like, in thickness, 39 millimeters in diameter. Um, I think it looks good on every wrist. Um, I find it wears best when worn above the wrist bone, um, just with the lug shape. So if anybody who purchases one in the future, um, just know that I recommend wearing it above the wrist bone. And do give the leather strap time to kind of break in because it will fit weird for the first couple of days. Um, but once that leather kind of molds to your wrist... <laughs> It, it fits a lot better. Um, well, but I, I mean, think part of that is quality leathers do have a break in period too. So like that, I think that speaks well to, like, yeah. you're going to want to like, like any good quality leather. I can remember my old baseball gloves. Like once I started getting into spending a decent amount of money on a baseball glove, it, it takes some time to have that form to your hand and all that. And I, you know, a good, a good pair of leather shoes, a good leather strap is, is very much, very much the same way. But the fact that you're you're that it starts that the thickness starts with a nine yeah. is very impressive. <laughs> yeah, because it, most micro brands we're impressed if it's just a ten. You know, yeah. 10, 10, 10 to eleven is pretty impressive. The fact that it is sub ten is huge. I, I think that is uh, Spangler. Spangler talk a little bit more about the wearing experience, but like that that is big. Yeah. No. It's. Dane, like you said, it is, it's definitely thin. Um, it's something that like when you wear it, like you don't really, it, it doesn't like ride too high on the wrist. It's something that you notice like just offhand, but when you want to notice it, you do, which is always a good thing when it comes to watches, at least in my opinion anyway. Um, yeah, 39, that's on the mark, right? Like it's a great size. Unisex, everybody loves that. Lug to lug, not bad either. I don't really know what it is offhand lug to lug, but and you, and you might, I don't know, but I mean, for my wrist, right, I've got about a seven and a half inch wrist, it wears fine, right? Lug to lug's about 46.6, no if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it wears fine. Like, wearing experience of the watch, like, it's it checks all the boxes, right? All of those uh, WIS boxes that we're trying to check when <laughs> it comes on, to real stuff. Quick, real quick, real quick. Uh, yes. Lug width, lug width. 
20? Uh, 20. Yes! All right. Gotta be. Gotta yeah. be. No, no weird. Uh-uh. <laughs> I, you will never see me do weird lug whiffs. If you can't find a strap, like, if, if somebody wants to put an alligator leather strap on this, please do so. And I hope you can easily find one, like, at 20 millimeters. <laughs> no, I, I'm not stopping anybody from dressing this up as much as they want. If they want to do a nice metal um, bracelet like Spangler has, that he has to send me that picture because I can't wait to see what it looks It's hard to see on the camera. Uh, I yeah. really want to see up close what that looks like. That that sounds so yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm going to send it to you. Don't, don't, don't worry. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> you could just, like, you guys could just meet up, right? And, and like, actually, you could show him the watch on that bracelet, which wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, that would almost be, like, because I know some of the classic Patek Philippe's have come on beads of rice. Like, maybe that's a maybe that's a look mm-hmm. for design number two or for something else. Um, does. But it's it's fun. Was, was it last week, Buzzy, where we were talking about the Panerai with a 23 millimeter lug width? You're just like, not even 21. It was 23. So good on you for 20 <laughs> millimeters. Yes. That is the that is the correct size. If it was 22, that would have been fine. But with 39 millimeters, I don't think that would like that. that I wasn't thinking it was going to be 22, 20. Perfect. That is great. And the tang buckle that you like, like Buzzy said, so the great, good. excellent, you know, flirtily tang buckle design will go on all of those straps. It's like, it's perfect. Like, and I, I can see, especially Sp- the, the, the dial that you said, the, the, the warm cream dial that Spangler's wearing, he's got it on a beads of rice bracelet, which I think is, is kind of excellent for summer. I mean, you can see that on more of a, a two stitch strap with that buckle kind of being a little bit more casual. Mm-hmm. You could put it on a brown or a black alligator, like you said, with the with the wrought iron printing would go very well. Dress dress that cream dial up, which again, I, mm-hmm. I know it has the salmon accent or the the stucco kind of accents on it, but like again, I think you could easily almost do that watch too dressed up. Like I I, I mean, the green you dial can. maybe wouldn't go black tie, but I think two of your three dials, like you've got a pretty wide range. And especially with the teardrop lugs, it's got a very like – you you can – I think the popular thing to do right now is very, you can very easily take a, a very nice high horology or, or highly finished dress watch, highly designed dress watch with teardrop lugs. You can very easily dress that down. I think you're selling yourself a little yeah. short saying that they can't go black tie. I think two of the three can go black tie. I you think could so. even argue that the green with the right with the right tuxedo could go black tie. I, I will say that I yeah. think all three of these watches could definitely be worn with a suit. Uh, yes. I I love the green dial. I have a blue suit, and it's a not super bright blue suit, but it's not navy. It's it's you know a, a decent blue suit. Oh, I yeah. actually like wearing the green mm-hmm. dial watch with the blue suit. It's it's different. It stands out, but I think it goes really good, and it's it's such a nice pop of color, and it really really stands out from everything. I'd say any one of these watches would look absolutely fantastic with your just classic charcoal or blue or you know what have you suits. Oh no, absolutely, completely, and I, I mean realistically, Spangler's wearing it with a Hawaiian shirt, and it looks <laughs> just fine. Like he's got it with a Hawaiian shirt that's unbuttoned to the point where I'm slightly uncomfortable. Um, nice. <laughs> I'm a little uncomfortable by how low that's unbuttoned. You've um, been staring at me the whole night. You know it. Just admit it. <laughs> I, I, I'm impressed at how far down you've been or how far up you've been using your lawnmower 4.0. Uh, buzz cut twenty percent <laughs> off. You know we like to work that second one in on occasion. It comes at you every once in a while. Um, no, I mean it does. Like I, I think, like. I almost kind of want to see that watch on that bracelet in close-up pictures because it, 
I, I think there are a lot of options for it. And, and what I would say is the design is very well thought out. It is very much a watch that can very easily go, go dressy. But I think it, it like, I, I look at it, it's it, it, the way Spangler's went. I was like, that's a great watch. Like that, yeah. that is, that, that is exactly, I think kind of, kind of what you're going for. Um, and so even we're, with we're the, at even the hour the mark. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say even, no, even go with the salmon on the uh, cream dial and the um and the red on the green dial watch, the streetcar dial watch, it's it's not very in your face. Um, it is very subtle. It is very subdued. You notice it, but you feel it more in the watch more than you. It doesn't go out and catch your eye. It's not gonna catch somebody from right. across the room. You're not gonna go. Oh, that looks garish. You know it 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 it, it the. It really enhances the feel of the watch more so, I think, than the look. It, it it really ties everything together really well. Well, I think what I would say, like, you're talking about the feel of the watch. What I would say is that that's the way that you get, like, as somebody who can look at the dial up close and notice the pop of red or notice the salmon on it, and then how you feel wearing it, knowing, hey, I've got something on that, if, even if you don't notice it from across the room, it, it, it gives me that extra little pep. There are a mm-hmm. lot of watches I think to do that, and honestly, the watch I'm wearing, the Grand Seiko, does the same thing for me. From across the room, this is, it's a you can tell it's a nice watch. It's a white dial watch. Mm-hmm. You don't see the blued steel hands. You don't see the dial work that Grand Seiko does from across the room. You notice the dial color, but because this dial's white, you're like you look at it up closer, like oh shit, that's a that's a dial. And I think that's exactly what you just described. Is it's the feel of the watch, which let's be real, it's it's a 39 millimeter dress watch on wrist. It's going to feel probably like a 39 millimeter dress watch on Wist, but it's the feeling that the wearer gets from knowing this, this very warm cream dial has that salmon seconds hand or this, this green dial has got that little pop of red that not everybody else is going to notice. But if somebody's interested in it, I can show them and I can point them out. Like it's that extra, it's the experience you mm-hmm. get from wearing it, that it, like you said, it's the feel of the watch, but it's the feel you get from knowing. And I think that is, that's again, that's another, it's the little it's the little pieces of design that go into it. You're like, this is something special. This is something that I'm proud to wear. This gives me that extra little, little is, as they used to call it on the old top gear. It's the fizz when you wear the watch. Like it's like, that's, that's what, that's how you describe it. Exactly. And I, I don't know who it was. Um, oh, I, I don't know if it was someone from Houdinki or I'm, I'm trying to think back in, in my memory, but I've, I've heard somebody, you know, kind of say something similar in that effect where it's the people that you sort of let in to your into your space kind of into your personal space and you show them and when they are close enough to you that's when they start to see it it catches them on that second look and i don't want to you know take credit for somebody else's analogy it's 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 out there it's on youtube i saw it at some point but that's <laughs> what, what you're saying it, it 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 is such a um you know, it, it speaks to that so well to where, you know, when you, when you come in, you look closer, then you start to notice the little subtleties. You start to notice the, the small details. And that's definitely what I was going for when I designed it. I am a big believer in, you know, having something that sort of unfolds on you over time. You don't you don't just look at it and take it all in at once. You know, it's those small little details that sit and simmer and you kind of look at it one day and you're like, oh, you know, I never noticed that before. So we got to talk real quick um, before we get into kind of release date and all that other stuff. You know, we, we've got this watch. You're going to be releasing it here. I would, I would imagine here in the, in the not too distant future, but let's also talk, 
you know, your family, like you said, has significant ties to the Southern Louisiana area. Where else can you see your design kind of going? Like, you know, I'm sure there's been, it's been a labor of love to get this watch ready for market, ready for, to be on other folks' wrists other than Spangler's, obviously. Um, What, what do you see as kind of drawing your next inspiration and and, and taking that brand design language further out and kind of sticking to your knitting within Mm -hmm. kind of the Louisiana area? Where do you see yourself going next? So I am excited about the second watch. I'm I'm not going to say too much on it now, but I'll say this. I have the next roughly three watches kind of in mind. The second one is fairly well thought out in my head. I, I kind of have a really good vision. Um, I can't wait in the coming months, you know, if the Kickstarter is, you know, a success, then I can't wait to sit down with Kelsey and kind of share with her my ideas for the second one and for us to start kind of um, brainstorming on that. But I have two other ones after that that I sort of have planned. Um, like I said, I don't want to speak too much on it, but I- I'll say this. I'm extremely excited for the second one. It is going to be similar to this in terms it, it so like root canal can be the starting point that's your foundation that the second watch is going to be built off the design language that's established here is going to be seen all over the second one the second line is going to be sort of just one step above a little bit of a refinement above it's probably going to be a little bit of step up in price but it's also i think a step up in in terms of design in terms of originality i want to do something really special with that watch that I'll come out and say it, I don't think a lot of the high horology people are doing. Now, that's that's me, big brain, big idea. The <laughs> practicality and the ability of getting that done is going to be sort of what <laughs> holds it back. So I have this really grand idea. I might go to um, my uh, Swiss manufacturer, and they're going to tell me, you cannot do what you are looking to do. Or if you can do this, it is going to be nowhere near the price you're thinking. So I'm dreaming big for it. Um, we're going to see how we can implement it. I have other ideas if... Um, you know, if if it doesn't kind of work out that way, if I kind of have to get rain back in, if they tell me what you're looking to do is going to be a you know five ten thousand dollar watch, so um, I'm, I'm I'll say that I'm excited for it. I'm I'm super super excited for it. Um, if I can get what I what I want done, I think it's gonna. I want to drop jaws with the second one. I want jaws to hit the floor. That's what I'm looking for. Well, that that I am I'm very interested to see where you go with. But let's before we get before we get too far ahead of ourselves. Why don't you remind us of kind of release date, everything else that you got coming on on the Root Canal Watch? Yeah, so um, our full website is going to be launching sometime this week. I don't have a confirmed date. Our original target was for tomorrow. We're still kind of polishing off the website, the full website itself. Um, that's going to kind of be our home on the internet right now. We just have a simple landing page sort of teasing what's to come. Um, the full website's going to be up sometime this week. We're going to be launching our ad, our, uh, Kickstarter ad very soon. And, uh, this is what I'm kind of calling the, the kickoff to Kickstarter season. My, uh, we are aiming for a Kickstarter launch date of September 20th. The Kickstarter page is still under construction I plan on finalizing that this week, sending it to Kickstarter for approval. Hopefully the page is going to be up within the next week or two weeks. Um, I'm hoping next week. 
Um, but we're anticipating a launch date of September 20th for the Kickstarter campaign. And it's going to run for 30 days. After that, um, it's going to kind of depend on the success of the Kickstarter, if we're going to open pre-orders through our website or not. If the Kickstarter is just, you know, a, a tremendous success, we might hold off because um, it's going to depend on, we, you know, we only have so much inventory, so we need to see how much right. sells at Kickstarter before we can start planning on all of that. So, um, yeah, September 20th is our, um, is sort of our date that we're penciling in right now. If not, you know, it'll be sometime mid to late September. I really don't want to go too far into early October, but, um, I update people regularly on our social media page. Our email, uh, subscriber list is probably the best place. That's where, um, I'll push out a lot of our really detailed breakdowns. It's where you hear news and get to know things before they're released publicly. So if you follow us on social media, you know, we'll, um, we'll be communicating those things out sort of as time goes on and as the situation evolves. So, so from there, let's talk about like, let's, what is the, what is the landing page? What is the future websites uh, web address? Let's go, let's go with that first. It's bourbonwatchcompany.com all spelled out. Um, it's you won't find it if you look in Google right now. The SEOs are going to be coming with the main page, um, but yeah, just type <laughs> it out, Bourbon Watch Company, or as as I actually prefer to say it, Bourbon, um, because the name was based off of the French royal family. Um, I, it's the way I prefer to say it, but I don't want to. I'm always hesitant because I don't want to sound super pretentious when I say it. But in in all the marketing material, you're going to hear me say Burball. Um, so when the I mean, ad and, drops, and that's in how to be your, your family's been here since since the beginning, and yeah. I'm assuming did they come over from France? Um, so that's actually kind of a funny. Technically, yes, they came from Alsace Lorraine. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it has a very long <laughs> history. Um, anybody who knows European history, um, very long history between France and Germany. Um, it's actually my mother's side that came over first. My father's side came over a little under a little over two hundred years ago, but my mother's side came over early on. I believe they were ethnic Germans. I'm not sure if they were French-speaking ethnic Germans or not. It, it's really weird the way that region of the world works. Um, his, uh, you know, history buffs will know about that. Um, but that's another story in and of itself. I don't want to, you know, we're kind of stretching long on time. I don't want to get too long <laughs> into it on how. It's, it's, so it, long story short, you had a bunch of German, French, German and German Swiss immigrants kind of get shipped over here by the French crown because they thought, hey, Germans would make really good settlers. And nobody's liking the prisoners and the prostitutes from France that we're sending. So we're going to we're going to make that we're going to send these guys over. But um. Yeah, so anyway, I forgot the question in my rambling. Um, <laughs> so we did we did the website. Uh, we talked about, you know, you, you uh, kind of getting to you know, say Bourbon because, you know, your family's been uh-huh. here from, for long enough, from, uh, potentially <laughs> from France. Um, and then uh, so website, uh, social, like, socials, Instagram, obviously, is where a lot of folks kind of reside on the, on the watch clock. Is it Bourbon Watch at Bourbon Watch Company? Yep, every, everything, the uh, the Facebook page, the Instagram, the website, just uh, Bourbon Watch Company, all spelled out. Um, you, you can't miss it if you if you spell it out like that. Well, and the it's other, a little long. Did we, we some, talk? Some people. Oh, go ahead. I said, did we talk about price, though? No, oh, yeah, that, that's important. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> 
I don't, want, I don't want people to think I'm burying the lead there. Um, no, so price point is going to be at retail $12.95. Um, like I said, kind of at the top of the podcast, uh, fair pricing was something that was really, really big, um, that I'm really, really big on. I really want to offer something at a, at a very fair and honest price. Um, and, you know, kind of looking at all the costs and everything, uh, $12.95 is really that price point that we hit that we can really grow the business like we want to um, and kind of have that proper reinvestment. There's going to be ample opportunities to um, get the watch at discount, though, with Kickstarter. Um, so the our day one Kickstarter special. So if you support us on day one, you can receive a watch for um, $9.95. Um, after day one, it goes up to 10:45, um, and it's going to be 10:45 throughout the rest of the Kickstarter. Um, so I tell everybody, look, if you're interested, support us at the Kickstarter. That's going to be the absolute, you know, rock bottom price we can offer it at. Um, and once it hits retail, it's um, going to be available through our website at 12 um, 12.95. If we do do the pre-orders post-Kickstarter, um, there will be a bit of an incentive. It's going to be more than the Kickstarter, but less than the retail. Um, we haven't finalized, like I said, we haven't finalized that yet. Well, cool. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing kind of kind of where you where you go next. Maybe we'll talk a little about that a little bit more about that after we stop recording. Um, <laughs> but I think the design is really, like I said, it's really something that's really cool. I like where you've gone with it, and I think again what I think will speak more to this is the, the, the history with your family in this region and kind of speaking to kind of that culture, that art, that design, mm -hmm. the novel that inspired it. I, I, I always think it's great, you know, kind of what, what we do in this, in this podcast, which is hilarious to me that we still like th th this has taken off and we, we do this, but like <laughs> getting to know the people behind the watches, getting to know the story as to why this exists. Like, uh, what I'm hoping that, that people will learn from this is that not only is it the Bourbon watch company, it, you know, from new Orleans or from Southern Louisiana inspired by the area uh, from a gentleman whose family has been in the area since almost the beginning. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're splitting hairs over the course of the 300 plus almost 300 years that it's, it's been settled. Y'all have been there for all, but almost 1% at this point. Like, you know, you, you were a finance major. I work in finance. You've been there for 90, your family's been there for 99% of the time that people have been there. That's impressive. It, it's it's and in they your blood. It's, it, it, it just, yeah. <laughs> we it's, barely it's, moved. So it's crazy. So they settled in. So if um, any uh, Spanglers uh, would be familiar with it, but um, so the original settlement was in St. Charles Parish, which is. Um, just a couple parishes over from New Orleans, just upriver from New Orleans. By the time I was born, I was born in St. James Parish, St. James Parish, which is just two parishes over. So over the ensuing 200 some odd years from settlement <laughs> to my birth, they literally moved about 10 miles, you know, 15 miles upriver. That's it. That's as far as they got. I mean, it's really hot. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, it's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> and humid and it's swampy like it's just not easy to traverse from what i understand <laughs> no not not at all especially right now oh my god uh, today was a scorcher yeah which and, is and i can attest to that too because i'm sitting in my room i just moved everybody so if you hear me a little echoey that's that's why um but i don't have an air conditioner in this room oh, currently um oh, so no. it's 
it's a bit steamy <laughs> down here. Um, so yeah. So that's why your shirt's that unbuttoned. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm surprised it's not more unbuttoned at this point. <laughs> Surprise is still uh, on, which is why, again, beads of rice <laughs> bracelet, not leather strap. <laughs> yes. 100%. Oh, and on that uncomfortable note, <laughs> Dane, I will say it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, getting to know you, getting to know the Bourbon Watch Company. Um, just, I'm really excited to see, you know, how this goes for you. Really, really supportive. Hope everything goes well. You know, obviously go, if you're interested, go find, go find the website. It'll be launching either the day before or the day that this drops, depending on how quickly we edit this. Um, and, you know, we're just, we're really excited. It's been great getting to know you. And I, I'm really, I'm really kind of excited to see what the future holds for, for your watch company. Oh, thank you so much. And look, the honor's all mine. I, when Spangler <laughs> reached out, I was over the moon that someone would want to talk to me about this. <laughs> No, it's 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 all about getting to know the people behind the brands and and cool folks doing cool things and and by all means you you definitely definitely uh, definitely check that box you know the, just the, the tie in with the family I think there's there's something special there and I, like I said I I really do think that's going to be your end for a lot of folks is the tie to the area it's it's something that's so unique and something that that so speaks to so many people. I, I really think that is that is going to be kind of you know what what sets you apart for any number of folks. So we wish you all the best. Really looking forward to seeing big things from you, and uh, you know we'll, we'll you know you know we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more. Uh, I'm really curious to see that second watch. So you, you ever want to come back? Happy to have you on again and uh, and talk and talk some more. Yes. So thank you so much, and uh, and it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. See ya. <laughs>